Fear the old blood. Seek the old blood. And lure the meek into the depths. We set out to record episode five in our hit patron-only series, The Runes of Bloodborne. <laughs> but wouldn't you know it? Uh-huh. We were so generous, we covered two runes. <laughs> And then Sin said, oh, this is so good, I'll put it on YouTube. And I gave a long and defeated sigh, because it was not good. So, this is episode five of Runes of Bloodborne, a teaser for the remainder of the series, which is available to $2 patrons. Think it for just $2 a month, you can... I mean, I I don't even... I wouldn't pay for it, honestly. Oh, damn. Shade. We... (laughs) We talked about the beast rune. (laughs) And then that segued into a discussion of the beast's embrace rune, a different rune. Mm -hmm. So it became a two-rune episode, and then you thought it should go on the main channel, and not on Patreon. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Richie. Join us next time for Clawmark. <laughs> We're going to do another one of our classic Bloodborne Rune deep dives. You thought there was nothing to talk about, and you were right, but we can still sit here and talk about. <laughs> A single, like, still image that you use as as a passive buff in this game. We've just got to hang on for another, like, 12 months and then Elden Ring will be out. But until then, it's, it's not going to be smooth sailing. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard for all of us. But if we just grit our teeth, we can make it together. Rich, it's okay. We still have, like, eight more seasons of Reborn. I don't think they're going to stick around for that. I mean, some of them are. As you explained, like, some people have found the channel looking for a Reborn recap series. Yeah. And they're very happy they found it. I think that's, like, (laughs) less than five people, though. I I mean, they exist. Yeah, there we go. All right. Okay, so we have an outline that we came up with a few episodes ago. Well, you came up with it. No, no, we actually came up with it together. Oh, wow, I don't remember that. It's very good. You don't remember, but you'll see. Okay. So, Richie, describe the drawing on the rune and tell us what it represents. Okay, it looks kind of like like a, a palm print or a, a paw print, but it's got six like, fingers coming off it, so it's, like, symmetrical. It's not entirely symmetrical, but, like, it's it's a symmetrical design in the sense that there's three either side of it. It looks kind of like, just like a drawing of a claw with six digits. You know what it looks like more to me? What? Okay, so you know the two upper digits, I guess, in the middle? Yeah. Those are, like, the horns, or the whiskers, and Right. The two on each side are the limbs, and the thing at the back is a tail. So it's like this weird 
parasite thing or insect? Like a rust monster from Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know. I don't play Dungeons and Dragons. Nerd. <laughs> Wait, I'm a nerd because I don't play? Continue. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like some weird parasite to me more than a claw or anything like that because a claw would have like a thumb or unless yeah, it has like two thumbs and four fingers there's another rune called claw mark does it have six things i will check um let's see it's got way more than six the claw mark is not a claw it's like a scratch well, to me, claw mark looks more like, you know how in cartoons when you see somebody is in prison? Yeah, yeah. And they put, like, bars on the wall and then cross them out to be, like, five days in prison? Yeah. That's what it looks like. It could also look like a mark made by claws. No. <laughs> Why would they, like, like cross it out after? This is a carol rune. It's like a, a an abstract design. Was Carol a painter? Are all of these actually really straightforward and are like words and letters we can understand, but because Carol was into like abstract painting, they just drew it weird? Let's go back to the beast room. Okay. Okay. So... <laughs> What could it represent? Well, it represents the concept of beast. It says here it's a... Okay, it says here it's a transcription Wait, we're not of... we're there yet! Oh, hey, God. hey, hey, no! Did I ask you to move on to the next point of the outline? Thank you. So, um, but I see with the name beast, you'd think it's some sort of a beast accessory. It says what it is, and like the next, the next line. Okay. <laughs> okay, and you know how um, there are three of them, and the higher uh, tier one has like a light on the inside. Yeah. What does that represent? All the higher tier runes have a light on the inside. It just means it's the best one. I think it's the first time we're talking about one of these runes. Oh, yeah, because we talked about oath runes before and they don't have tears. Yeah. Yeah. So what does the light represent? Well, it just represents, like, the higher tier the rune is, the clearer the design is. So it starts off as, like, like a faded parchment. You can't quite make out the rune. And then as the tears go up, you eventually get a very nice high contrast image with, like, a glow in the middle to represent this is the best rune. Ah, excellent. Okay, thank you, Richie. Can you please read the text in your best bottle of rum voice? A secret symbol left by Carol, runesmith of Bergenworth. A transcription of the roar of a labyrinth beast. The bearer of the beast rune has accentuated transformation effects. Beast is one of the early carol runes, as well as one of the first to be deemed forbidden. 
The discovery of blood entailed the discovery of undesirable beasts. Arr. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. Appreciate it. You said rum, so I just assumed a pirate. <laughs> Shiver me timbers. Good job. Thank you. Now, what is Donate the Donate Ron- pieces of eight to <laughs> patreon.com slash Sinclair lore. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. Um, now, what does the rune do? What's its function or effect? It boosts the beasthood gauge. Elaborate? Well, the beasthood gauge is a very poorly explained mechanic. And the more we look into it, the more it looks like it's poorly explained because even they didn't really settle on how it was supposed to work. Okay. If you use beast blood pellets or um, use the beast claw weapon in its transformed mode, you get a little little bar starts to fill up that represents your beasthood. And basically it starts kind of low and then as you do damage, it will fill up. And the higher the, the higher the bar is, the more damage you're doing, but also the more damage you take in return. So it's like a trade-off. So if you like, it's like, it's good for like very fast weapons. So like if you pop a beast blood pellet and then you do a whole lot of like consecutive very fast attacks, the meter will build up and you'll start doing huge amounts of damage. But at the same time, you will take a lot of damage in return. So it's it's like a trade-off mechanic. Okay. And what beast the beast rune does is it just makes the bar longer, so you can fill up the beasthood bar like for it can last for a longer amount of time. Okay, excellent. Thank you. And uh, where do we find this rune, or how do we find it? You get one from the beast possessed soul in Cathedral Ward. That's the plus twenty one. The plus fifty one is from the beggar in Forbidden Woods. Or a mm-hmm. chapel if you like take in there, or Yosefka's clinic if you take in there. And okay. the tier three one is found in Ailing Lauren in a root chalice. And beast possessed soul is a beast. Afflicted beggar turns into the beast. Yeah. And Lauren is where they screwed around with beast blood. Exactly. And like a lot of them turned into beasts. Hmm. Mm, interesting. And that's where you find the beast rune. Yes. So it's very, like, consistent. It's like it's trying to tell us something. Yes. <laughs> what is it trying to tell us? All those beast things. <laughs> oh, they're beasts, aren't they? <laughs> okay. Thank you, Richie. Now let's look a little closer at the text of the rune. Okay. So, a secret symbol left by Carol Runesmith of Bergenworth. We already discussed it in a previous episode, perhaps even the first one. Mm-hmm. So, we're not going to elaborate on that again. Right. Because it might take a while. A transcription of the roar of a labyrinth beast. Yes. Elaborate. Well, when they went into the labyrinth, our, uh, our Bergenworth friends, and they were looking around, they would sometimes meet beasts in the labyrinth and be like, ooh, it's a bit odd. Okay. And they would hear them roaring, and this is like, because Carol runes are transcriptions of sounds, this is like Carol, like, I guess, transcribing. 
They're the ones that are like this, this, these are words of the great ones, right? Uh-huh. This is different because this is like Carol transcribing the roar of a beast in the labyrinth as a rune. So this isn't yeah. like, this isn't the great ones saying the word beast. This is like the sort of the howling and roaring of the beasts themselves. And I think that's why it's like a, that does, it just sort of looks like, we were saying it looks like a claw. It also just looks like, like a sound sort of emanating from the center. It's just like all these sort Ooh. of tendrils writhing out yeah. of the middle. Yeah. It's like, if you imagine like a comic book and there's like a raw sound effect, you'd have like sound waves coming yeah. out. Yeah. It looks kind of like that. So I, I think it's, it's mean, something yeah. like that. Yeah. But you know, now that you say it that way, you know how the claws or whatever, um, seem to be different sizes but if you look at it your way it could be a matter of perspective like what if they're all yeah. the same size but in an at an angle you know yeah it could also be like the the top part is the raw echoing and then the bottom part is like where the sound came from mm-hmm. that like came from somewhere in the distance and then spread out mm-hmm. mm. yeah interesting When I read that description, it makes me imagine Carol in the labyrinth, like, walking behind a beast and just, like, writing down what they're saying. Right. As you mentioned, it's not what the Great Ones told Carol. It's Carol's interpretation of what a roar would sound like according to the Great Ones. You think Carol was doing field recordings? Yeah. 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 Yeah, Carol was doing field recordings and then yeah. trying to interpret that into the language of the Great Ones. Yeah, and that's why it's this, like, the design yeah. is not, like, it's not an intricate design. It's just, like, a bunch of lines. So, like, if you show this to a Great One, maybe the Great One will be like, what the F is that? <laughs> what are you showing me? That's not how we say beast. It's very possible that it would happen, yes. <laughs> Do you think that happened with Cos when they went to the hamlet? <laughs> they beckoned Cos to the shore and they showed her that. She's like, the fuck is that? <laughs> and then Carol got so mad and that's why the massacre happened. <laughs> Carol tried really hard, okay? Yeah, Cos is like, this is cringe. <laughs> and Carol's like, I made a werewolf suit and hung around the labyrinth for months doing field recordings to do this. <laughs> and I don't appreciate you dismissing it this way. <laughs> you know what else I'm, like, imagining? What? So, <laughs> Carol posting this picture on Twitter and then yeah. tagging Cause and then Cause immediately blocking Carol. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Richie. Now, to continue. Yes. The bearer of the beast rune has accentuated transformation effects. Yep. Which is what you described earlier. It's exactly what I said before, yes. Okay. Oh, do, do you want do you want some some hot uh, hot lore on what got changed there? Oh, okay. Cuz there's an there's another description that's unpatched that says the bearer of the beast rune has accentuated temporary transformation effects and they removed the word temporary. Why? Who knows? Does it mean this is permanent now? 
Well, clearly it isn't because we just we we're a person at the end. Should we go in case people haven't heard? Like having looked into data mine stuff with the help of Lance and like Santa Disque, um, mm-hmm. it looks a lot like the original idea behind Beasthood is if it filled all the way up, you would die. It would kind of be like frenzy. Because, like, there's an unused on-screen, like, um, you know, when, when you get Frenzy or Poison or whatever, you get that on-screen thing saying Frenzy, like, to show that it's happened. There's an unused one of those that says Transformed. <laughs> and in the um, unused, like, items and shit, they refer to sedatives as something that reduces beasthood as well as Frenzy. and. As Beasthood functions now, there's really no reason you'd ever want to reduce it. Like, obviously, you take more damage in return, but it's essentially like it's a buff. You don't want it to go away. But early on, it's like there is a there's a, um, an on-screen thing that says transformed for when the bar fills, and there's also, like, an item that reduces Beasthood. So it looks like together you you would have wanted the beasthood gauge to not fill all the way up. It would have been like another status effect, and we think it probably would have been like a like a non standard death. Like it would hit you and you'd like transform, but then that would kind of like in um in Dark Souls where you've got like curse. When curse builds up, you petrify on the spot, but you just die. So you haven't you don't you're not actually stuck as a statue forever, but. We think it would have been something like that. Like, it fills up you, like, character, like, turns into a beast, and then it's just death. And then you just respawn at the at the lantern or warp chair or whatever. Uh-huh. That's how I think it worked, anyway. Like, just based on little bits and pieces that we've seen. Thank you, Richie. Yeah. And it also says, Beast is one of the early Carol rooms. Yep. Hmm, what does that mean? Because they went into the labyrinth and they heard... (laughs) And obviously that was easier to hear than, like, the words of the Great Ones speaking through your mind. (laughs) So I wonder if the Othruns came after these runes. What? You know how the Oath runes are, like, blue-looking? Yeah. And all the other runes are sort of, like, gray? Yeah. So I wonder if the Oath runes came later. Like, if they're more sophisticated, you know? Um. And I wonder if the Oath runes are the real language of the Great Ones, whereas some of these early runes are, like, knockoffs. But, like, the Oath runes... Probably predated. Like, the runes mostly seem to predate Carol's existence. Beast might be the only one that Carol figured out themselves. Because it's not the language of the Great Ones. Because if you look around, like, like the Hunter rune is used, like, all over the place. And so is, like, communion and everything. Presumably, like, these things came before Carol. I mean, communion might not, but yeah. Yeah. Richie, you're just giving me this idea. Mm-hmm. You're just giving me this profile of Carol. Okay, so imagine this. What if Carol never actually heard any of the Great Ones? 
What if they went down to the labyrinth and then they copied the stuff they saw on the walls? Because some of these runes we find in the labyrinths, right? Some of them. Yeah. Yeah. But we know so that wonder, you can mm -hmm. you can get in contact with the Great Ones because that's what Adeline does. Yeah. So now I wonder, Carol may have just copied some from the walls, invented some, like the beast roar, and then sort of talked with people who have communicated with the Great Ones, like Adeline, for example, to get more rune information, you know? Well, the, like, again, going back to stuff that was removed, the original idea behind the runes is that instead of what we have now where they're just like, oh, you found a rune, you would find pages from something called the Book of Carol. And I think that's kind of like what you're suggesting, that it wasn't that Carol, like, sat down and wrote these runes out themselves. It was that Carol had, like, compiled all of the runes into this, like, encyclopedia. And had found out about them all in different ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's really confusing because the way that it's it's described initially is, like, Carol creates all the runes. And then we were running into this thing where it's like, well, if Carol created them, why does, like, the suspicious beggar drop one? Why do we find them, like, lying on random corpses? And the answer is that Carol didn't create them. Carol just, like, systematized them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go on. And I'm thinking back to um, Eileen. Yeah. And you know how she hands you Hunter, but on a piece of paper? They all hand them to you that way. Oh, no, no. She, she gives you the bold Hunter's mark. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. She gives you Hunter later on the actual room. Yeah. Yeah. So this idea of the bald hunter mark and it being written on a piece of paper seems to fit more with Carol's journal as opposed to Carol's runes as we have them now. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, mm, the bald hunter's mark is a rune, so we will technically have to cover it, but it's... Um... But we already covered it as a hunter's mark. Good. Okay, good. That's the first mark we covered. <laughs> I don't remember any of this. <laughs> Okay. This whole game is a blur to me because I've gone over every single cobblestone of it four different times with a series of different people and recorded <laughs> it and photographed it and written it up. Okay. <sighs> Thank you, Richie. Thank you for all your hard work. So Beast is one of the early Carol runes, as well as one of the first to be deemed forbidden. Mm. Elaborate. Because Willem doesn't want people turning into beasts. So so Carol's like, oh Willem, I've I've written down some runes. <laughs> and Willem's like, to achieve enlightenment? And Carol's like, Yes <laughs> Actually wrote down beast runes like a boss. <laughs> okay. Okay, it makes sense. Willem forbid yeah. them. Yes, because no beasts. Beasts bad. Enlightenment good. <laughs> yes. And we have a whole episode on Willem. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> I feel no, like you actually... don't need to keep specifying we have a whole no, no. episode on X, because we've covered... Like, what, what haven't we covered at this point? No, 
Richie, I'm wrong. We have a whole episode on Bergenworth. Dignity City itself. <laughs> yes. So technically, we actually don't have an episode on Willem. Yeah. But we do mention Willem a lot in a lot of the podcasts that have to do with Willem in some capacity. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so Willem forbid it, and it makes perfect sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay, good. The discovery of blood entailed the discovery of undesirable beasts. Yes. Explain. When they found blood, they were like, oh, I wonder what this does. No! <laughs> Everyone's turning into werewolves. This isn't what we had planned. That's what happened. See, this one's quite straightforward, so there's not a lot of stuff to argue about. It feels a little too straightforward. Like, I feel like we're forgetting something. Let me go back to the outline. I'll make the outline sound effect. Let me go back to the outline. <laughs> okay. So, one of the things we talk about is who has or had the rune. Yes. And we did mention that earlier in the location. Yep. And I guess technically anyone could have had the rune in their possession. Right. Because, like, if Carol wrote it down and then you, like, saw it, you could replicate it. Yeah, but, like, who has it? Because I don't think they're people who'd be carrying around, like, Carol's books. Okay, let's go over who has it then. Okay. Okay. The first character who has it is the beast-possessed soul who is in this sort of weird silo area that connects the church workshop to Cathedral Ward. It's at the very bottom. Mm -hmm. And that, like, specific enemy is kind of interesting because it's the only one that we find above ground of the beast-possessed souls. So it's like, if you don't go into the chalices, it's effectively a unique enemy. And it is like the Healing Church Workshop is there's like a um the Healing Church Workshop's a giant tower and it has like a grate on the floor with hinges in it that could be opened and shut. It never does it in game, but it looks like you could do that. And the beast is like if you almost if you dropped something down there it would land roughly where the beast is. But it's also, if you drop something from near the abandoned old workshop, it would land where the beast is. But also, if just a beast got cornered by those people in Cathedral Ward and pushed into, like, the silo, it could have ended up there that way. Given the Healing Church workshop, it could have been like, this is, um, like, they were fight just this one of the people in the workshop transformed and they just locked them down there in this, like, prison area. Because there's a bunch, like, you could even say, like, prior to the um, the DLC, you could say maybe that was Ludwig. Because it's, like, near where Ludwig's badge is. Interesting. Yeah. And one thing that I found notable about that encounter is that the first time I saw this beast... I wasn't sure if it was, like, an NPC, considering you could have talked to the Odin chapel dweller, who yeah, looks rather yeah. suspicious. Yeah. I was like, 
maybe this is someone else we can talk to. So I actually just like snuck up behind them trying to talk to them. Yeah, yeah, they're asleep when you meet them. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, they're curled up, so they've presumably been down there for quite a while. Other possibility is that um, there's a reference to, like, Lawrence and his associates summoning the Red Moon. And, like, that rune, like, if you go to the abandoned old workshop during the Red Moon, it's massive. Like, it's basically above the workshop in a way that it's not above other areas. Like, it just takes up the whole sky. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm wondering if maybe that was someone who was, like, like a hunter or a cleric who was with Lawrence and German when they summoned the Moon Presence. And, like, the Red Moon descended over the workshop and they transformed. And then they, like, either, like, scurried off or got, like, pushed down into that silo thing. Like, that's possible. Because they do burn the workshop, in, presumably, in the same way that, like, they burned all the armor. Because, it, like, it, again, it looks a lot like the, the workshop looks like it might have been burned. Like, like this superficial sort of, like, damage to it. The dream with the workshop catching fire doesn't make a great deal of... Like, it, it's, it's a dream, obviously. So it could be like, oh, the night is ending, so the workshop is burning down. But, like, in the fall... Like, if depending on the end... In every ending, actually, that you get, the workshop is there, like, perfectly fine again. The next day. Like, it, it continues onward. Um... And like there is a deleted line from German where he's like, "Oh, the workshop, white. The workshop has been burned." How magnificently the flame burns! We've no need for this accursed abode. Let flame cleanse this house of horrors. Ah, these frightful things! Look at them burn. Ah, all ye hunters, let it be known. We are free, free as the wind. (laughs) So it looks a lot like, okay, at some point in, like, draft 11 bazillion, (laughs) they would have, like, burned the workshop down. Um, Maybe because of, like, what Lawrence did or something to, like, cut off that part or like what Ger- the the difference between like German and the, the rest of the church, like maybe like when the hunters got folded into the church, they sort of broke with the past by burning the workshop down or something like that. So they can only have the church one, something like that. Anyway, point is like they, they could have like attacked the workshop, found that beast there and then like shoved it down the silo. Mm-hmm. And then the other option is that it's someone from that place in Cathedral Ward, because there's, like, people down there with torches and everything, and they may have, have encountered that beast and forced them inside the silo and locked the door. There's another function of the beast room that we didn't mention, because it's not mentioned on the actual description, and a lot of people don't know mm-hmm. about it. And that is that the... it. The beast rune's power is expressed as, like, temporary boost to transformation plus, and it'll be either 20, 50, or 100. That also removes falling damage by that percentage. And it doesn't tell you that. And it's, I don't even know if, like, 
This may just be a a mistake. <laughs> like it may not have <laughs> been supposed to happen this way. Because like Bloodborne does have a weight system, like the Souls games does. It's just like instead of removing the weight system, they just make it effectively not matter. But it's still there, and it does have like noticeable effects. So like if you wear quote unquote heavy gear and bloodborne and you fall, it will do more damage than if you were wearing quote unquote light gear. But the damage is like, it's the change is so small that you likely will never notice it. But the game does have a weight system. It does have a fall damage system that takes weight into account. And the beast rune, if you equip it, it will reduce fall damage. And we're not entirely sure why. And it, it looks like it may have been just like an oversight, like the they may have been like just reusing the variable and it's like it's picking up booster transformation as the full damage like multiplier or something. I don't know. If you equip like the tier three beast rune, you will not take any full damage unless it's an instant death fall. That can make it very good for exploring, like if you're trying to sequence break or you're trying to explore like that sealed off part of Kanehurst, the uh, beast rune's very useful because you can just fall all the way down and not take any damage. So that might be why the beast survived at the bottom of that silo because they had the beast rune, so they had reduced fall damage. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Actually, that fits nicely with that lore. Also, the beast possessed soul, like that beast possessed soul is weird. Because it, all the beast-possessed souls that you encounter in the labyrinth, they are, like, they're on their own kind of team, as far as enemies are concerned. So, like, if you wake up a beast-possessed soul, a lot of people know this when it's going over it in case someone doesn't. If you wake up a beast-possessed soul and then, like, lure it to another group of enemies, it will fight the enemies for you. Mm-hmm. Like, it'll, it'll just attack the nearest thing to it, whether that's you or the enemy. And because it's on this weird team, like, you can use the choir bell to heal it. <laughs> so there's, like, people have, um, there's a lot of videos up of people who, like, led the beast possessed soul through a dungeon for them and got it to kill everything for them while they healed it. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. But weirdly, the beast possessed soul in Cathedral Ward doesn't do that. It just, like, it's just on the same team as everything else. So I don't know what the story is. And it's, like, the one spot where it would make sense for them to, like, they locked it up because if it gets out, it will kill them. But it's, like, the one beast-possessed soul that doesn't do that. Thank you, Richie. All right. So, another person that has the rune is the Afflicted Beggar. Mm. Um, Is there anything interesting about him in relation to the rune? Well, he's a beast. <laughs> so... <laughs> probably why he has it. Oh, spoilers. One thing I like about the Souls games is that in a lot of other a lot of other RPGs they would try to like teach you a lesson by having the obviously suspicious guy not be evil. Uh-huh. In a way that makes you try to game the system. Whereas in this like you just find this this weird like howling <laughs> heavily breathing man posed over a pile of corpses that he's clearly eating. Yeah, it's exactly what it looks like. 
You deserve (laughs) everything you get if you try to help this man who's clearly a serial killer cannibal. (laughs) You know who this reminds me of? Demon Souls Latrec. Oh, yeah, 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 where he's like, spot the villain. (laughs) Yes. And then it's like, so you let him out, and he's all sketchy, and then you go back to your shrine, right? Yeah. People are dying, and you, like, see him being all weird in a corner, and you're like, hey, hey, did you do this? He's like, "Mm, maybe. He's like, (laughs) I have killed every surviving human. And you're like, oh, hmm, something (laughs) sketchy about this guy. Oh my god, does it mean we have to do Demon Souls? Sketchy boss arena, sketchy NPC arena. Okay, here's the sketchy NPCs of Demon Souls. All of them. <laughs> All of them except Dior. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's a big, straightforward, cuddly bear. Everyone else is evil and fucked up, but Dior <laughs> is like the one nice guy. It's true. Okay, and that's it. No other people have it in the game. Well, when you get it from Lauren, it's in a coffin. So it might have belonged to whoever was in the coffin. Dracula? I feel like in a game that has a vampire castle in it, it's incredible that you've decided that the Dracula is buried in a, in a desert, in a completely different area. Well, when you say coffin, I instinctively think of Dracula. Like what? Coffin and werewolves makes more sense to you? Well, it's a coffin in like a buried desert with lightning everywhere. Okay, well, you know, maybe Dracula did live in Castle Kynehurst, and then he's like, oh my god, it's so cold here, I better go on vacation somewhere nice. A desert is nice. Is it? It's like change of scenery, change of weather. If you're a vampire, you don't want to be like somewhere that's hot and like largely devoid of life. To be absolutely fair to you, Kanehurst is full of stuff from the Chalice Dungeons that they've like raided. And that stuff is also in Lauren. So it's possible someone from Kanehurst did go on vacation to Lauren. (laughs) <laughs> Go to sleep in that coffin like one of those capsule hotels in Japan. And then we've stolen their beast rune. And they're going to wake up in the morning and be like, what? What? <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate you admitting when you're wrong. <laughs> okay, thank you, Richie. As we were saying, it is in Ailing Lauren because Ailing Lauren is meant to represent, like, an attempt to control the Beast Scourge. Unlike Th- Thumaru is, like, the place that sort of worked out, where they were able to ascend to become, like, a higher form of life. Ailing Lauren is where it went wrong and everything sort of devolved into beasts and, like, monsters and everything. Mm-hmm. So, like... The presence of it in Ailing Lauren indicates, like, it's it's meant to be connected to that. And I guess, like, the afflicted beggar is part of the healing church, and he has it. So it might be, like, the beast-possessed soul is part of the same, like, chain of events. And the beast-possessed soul is, like, another attempt to control it that went wrong. 
Mm-hmm. In which case, it might be a cleric from when uh, Lawrence summoned the Moon Presence. Do you think this rune could have been forbidden by the Healing Church? Well, it can't be that forbidden if if the beggar has it. Yeah, and they are distributing like beast pallets and stuff. Well, it, get, it gets confusing because in the DLC they add beasts embrace, which seems to be like beast version two point zero. <laughs> so maybe we should discuss this one as well, because we're pretty much done talking about this rune. Okay, so it's like... Like a double feature. Oh, a double feature of the same thing. <laughs> Damn it, Richie. <laughs> it's a double feature like Fast and the Furious 5 and Fast and the Furious 6. <laughs> okay, Richie. So, now that we're done talking about the Beast rune, we can talk about another rune that's sort of connected to it. Yes. And the rune is? Beasts Embrace. Woo! Although, weirdly, um, the, the rune is called Beasts Embrace on the menu screen, but if you examine it, it's just called Embrace. That's interesting. And I think even it being Embrace, like, if we were to compare the two runes, people would eventually see, like, the similarity in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They'd associate beasts and race yeah. with beasts. Yeah. So I was going to say some things, but then I realized you'd interrupt me and yell about the outline. So let's... <laughs> okay. Let's continue. What is, what is the first item on the outline? <laughs> Describe the drawing on the rune and tell us what it represents. You know the beast rune that we just talked about? Yeah. You put that in, like, Photoshop, and then you do rotate 180 degrees, uh-huh. and then you just, like, spin it a little bit. <laughs> so it's it's slightly curvier. The um, There's only five, like, sort of digit things coming off the weird hand thing. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, it's, it's like an inverted, sort of twisted version of the Beast Rune. Uh-huh. Hmm. And it's an Oath Rune, so it's blue. And this one has some red color as its outline. That's blood. I know. It's like I was getting to it. Yeah. You ruined the suspense. We were supposed to discover that it's blood as we're reading the room. I think the people who are listening to this already know. Mm, You don't know that. Game has been out over four years. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Richie. Um, That's all right. (laughs) Okay. So now, can you read the text in the same voice as you read the previous rune? After repeated experiments in controlling the scourge of beasts, the gentle embrace rune was discovered. When its implementation failed, the embrace rune became a forbidden rune, but this knowledge became a foundation of the healing church. Those who swear on this oath take on a ghastly form and enjoy accentuated transformation effects, especially while wielding a beast weapon. Yar. Thank you. Wielding a beast weapon! Wielding a beast weapon! What? <laughs> That's my parrot, because I'm a pirate yeah. now. 
Okay. Yeah, I understood. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah that's thank a good you. one. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. me timbers. <laughs> what does the rune do, and what's its function? It what turns you into a beast? Mm. So, what becoming a beast does is it puts you in like beast blood pellet mode permanently. So you're always getting like the beasthood meter filled, regardless of what you are um, using. And interestingly, this gives you a boost to transformation like the... It gives you a boost to the beasthood meter, but it's a lesser boost overall than you would get from the beast rune. Mm-hmm. It's not by much, but this only gives you plus 15, whereas the lowest tier beast rune gives you plus 20. And this will literally make you look like a beast. Yeah. Does the previous one literally make you look like a beast? No. Interesting. Why do you think that is? Well, because, like, they just didn't have beast mode until the DLC. (laughs) Okay. It also, it um, gives you, like... If you have that and the Beast Claws together, mm-hmm. the Beast Claws get a new moveset. So, like, it, it doesn't just... Um, it synergizes with the Beast Claws in the same way that Milkweed synergizes with the Cos Parasite. So it's sort of a contrast thing. One is Beasthood and one is Enlightenment. Yeah. You should also, also point out that um, the beast form that you get is like the human-faced kind of shaggy beasts. It's not a like a werewolf cleric beast thing. Yeah. Yeah. However, it does have the cleric beast's appearance in the sense where I think one of your arms is like bigger, or like furry or whatever. Right? Oh, it's um, it's got like asymmetrical like hair, but the uh, your arms are the same length. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, so I think at least that hair sort of mirrors the uh, cleric beasts we encounter throughout the game. Yeah. Okay. Let's get the outline. Well, wait. Okay. (laughs) You get also a ribcage, which again resembles um, some of the cleric beasts' ribcage thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, to be fair, a a lot of things do have ribcages. I know, but I mean one that's like prominent and visible. Yeah. Um, do you look a lot like the afflicted beggar? You don't. You do. He looks like a human. Oh, I thought you meant in his transformed mode. Um, no, the afflicted beggar is just a guy with bandages on his head. Yeah. Can you imagine if you find the afflicted beggar, he's eating someone and he looks like a beast? There sure are a lot of beasts about. <laughs> He reminds me of there's a werewolf in one of the Final Fantasy games who's in jail. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm a famous thief. They put me in jail. Please let me out. And if you let him out, you get nothing. And then he proceeds to, like, open a whole lot of treasure chests and you can't get what's in them because he took them. Oh, no. That's not nice. So those games taken together <laughs> are a warning to not trust werewolves. Okay. Thank you, Richie. 
But you were saying afflicted beggar after he turns into a beast looks a bit like us when we use this rune? Yeah. There's two different, like, kinds of beasts aesthetically. There's some that look like a wolf, and there's some that look like, like a gorilla. So, like, some of them have the very long, like, like muzzle with, like, the big snapping teeth. And then other ones look like they have a kind of flatter face and more human proportions. And that's what the afflicted beggar turns into, and that's what we turn into. And that's what the, like, the beast patients turn into, because they also have, like, the flat kind of, like, ape faces instead of the long wolf face. Mm-hmm. Mm. Thank you. I want to go somewhere with this, but I don't want to disrespect the outline. Okay, where do you want to go with this? No, respect the outline. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um. So we just talked about the effects and the function, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Now we'll talk about the location. Where do mm. we find the rune? Or how do we find we f- it? We find it in Lawrence. Thank you, Richie. In Lawrence, the worst vicar. Uh-huh. So we get it after we defeat him? You get it after you defeat the boss called Lawrence the First Vicar. This is where I wanted to go with it. <laughs> okay. So there's been a lot of back and forth about, like, the hell is up with Lawrence in the Nightmare. Right. Because he is a burning cleric beast in the Nightmare. But in the waking world, you see his actual physical skull, and it doesn't look like the skull of a cleric beast. And. I'm sick of saying this, so don't at me. The skull you find on the altar is the skull of the bloodletting beast in the Chalice Dungeons. That is Lawrence's physical body. The version you fight in the Dreamlands is Lawrence's, like, psyche that is trapped there in the same way that, like, you encounter Mikolash in The Nightmare and he is, like, a functional, living, breathing person, whereas in The Waking World he is a mummy. You can encounter Maria in the Hunter's Nightmare in the Waking World. She is dead and she's buried somewhere and you can carry around her femur. You encounter the orphan in the Nightmare. He is a shrieking placenta monster. The orphan in the Waking World is like a pile of organs at Bergenworth. So (laughs) it's not wrong to say that the version of Lawrence that you fight in the Nightmare is not physically what Lawrence actually turned into. Thank you, Richie. That's quite all right. <laughs> Should also point out that, like, it says that the the Beast's Embrace rune is the result of trying to control the Beast Scourge, right? hmm And that fits with the flat-faced beasts that we run into. Because you can see that, like, the flat-faced beasts, they look that way because they're, like, almost, they're, like, not quite a full werewolf monster. They're, like, tending toward, like, a humanoid form. And that's, like, that's the beast. The beasts in Old Yarnum look that way because Old Yarnum was them trying to control the Scourge. So the people didn't all turn into, like, massive werewolf things. They just turned into, like, weird, like... Kind of like they sort of devolved into like weird ape people. 
And like the the afflicted beggar who's a cleric, like he's seems to be in, more in control of his transformations. So he is like he again has the more he looks more like a simian sort of like look. And then like the bloodletting beast, who like presumably that is Lawrence, also has like the humanoid, more humanoid looking face. The ones that don't are like the cleric beast and Amelia. But they're they're kind of the outliers, and like the blood starved beast, you, you, like you when you encounter it, it looks like a like a um, uh, like its its skin is mostly rotted off. But that looks like a um, like it has a, a, a like a simian face as well. So what this is getting at is like if you see a beast and it doesn't look like it looks like a halfway transformation, it's like you're not quite a werewolf, like, wolf thing yet, but you're also clearly no longer human. That's because it's part of the experiments the Healing Church were doing to try to, like, stop the transformation, like, going all that far. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you, Richie. So now we will look at the text more closely. After repeated experiments in controlling the scourge of beast, the gentle embrace rune was discovered. Yes. So they discovered this rune after experimentation that they think will help them control the scourge. Yeah, that's what the research hall seems to be doing. And like when you when you find Lawrence in the nightmare, he's holding the pendant that lets you into the research hall. So that be what's happening. <laughs> Thank you. When its implementation failed, the embrace became a forbidden rune, but its knowledge became a foundation of the healing church. Yeah. So the implementation failing would mean, like, I think that's a reference to Lawrence. So the idea is like, Lawrence was trying to control the, the transformations of people that the old blood was, was causing. Lawrence figures out, okay, this like there's this rune we can use and memorize it, and the way it's called embrace almost makes me wonder if like the idea is instead of letting like holding back beasthood, you would let beasthood take you over, but retain your human like faculties. I think it was Miyazaki who said that people who try to like repress their beasts who become the most like atrocious beasts yeah the way he describes it is like the the more you hold he describes it almost like a rubber band being stretched and like the more you hold it back when it finally snaps like it's more powerful the the more like the longer you held it back for and that's why the clerics of the healing church become these huge huge monsters Whereas just the, the regular people of Yarnum become like a like a scourge beast or something. Yeah, so it makes sense what you're saying. If you sort of embrace beasthood, maybe they thought that it would help them control it if they accept it. I think that's what they're going for, yeah. Because you can also notice, like, if we just accept that the bloodletting beast is Lawrence, which we should by now, um, the bloodletting beast is going to the Chalice Dungeons. So it seems to have, like, a purpose. So you could almost say that, like, okay, Lawrence, 
embraced beasthood, but somewhere inside him, like, he still remembers I have to go down here and get Queen Yarnum's child to perform my ritual. So he's able to, like, hold on to more of his human memory than he otherwise would have. But my take on it is that he went to the chalices from the altar in Old Yarnum on the night of the Red Moon. Mm-hmm. And that that's why he transformed the way he did. So it could have been that the rune was working fine, just not when the Red Moon is out. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And we find Loritz's skull in the cathedral. Which one? He's got two skulls. <laughs> the beast one. Yeah, the real one, yeah. The real one. So that means yeah. either someone was there with him and collected the skull, or they collected it later? I'm pretty certain that, like... Yeah, because he, he has a head up until Tumeru Ihil. Then he doesn't have the head. So he made it to, like, he's the penultimate boss. He's, like, right before Queen Yana. So my take on it is he got it... He retained enough of his memory and his, like, human reason to get down to where Queen Yarnum is. Uh-huh. And that's when he was killed and decapitated, and his skull was brought back to the healing church. Okay, let me ask you. Do you think he was killed and decapitated by the creatures in the labyrinth, or his own people had to decapitate him? I think it was the healing church that killed him because, like, they have the skull. Like, they may have, like, followed him into the labyrinth, and then they found, like, that he transformed, so they killed him and took his head back. Yeah. When you encounter the bloodletting beast pre-head falling off, like, he's clearly, like, a monster. Like, he he will grab, he will, like, rip, like, he will grab you and he will just chew on you, like, like, a, like a dog. He's not, like, it's, like, if you look at the, the fight with Ludwig, yeah. Where, like, Ludwig is a beast up until 50% of his hit points, and then he, he like, changes and he, re- he ret- his human side sort of returns. Um, the bloodletting beast always behaves like a monster, and it's always, like, grabbing you and, like, th- like thrashing around and, like, chomping on you. So I think he probably, like, lost his human, like... He probably had, like, an instinctive understanding that he had to get to Tumeruai Hill, but... Mm-hmm. He forgot yeah. why. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of like like Gascoigne. Yeah. Like, he will react to the music box, but it's just like a sort of reflexive thing. He's not... He just remembers something. You know what I'm thinking now? What? It would have been pretty neat if Lawrence had some sort of a scene similar to what Ludwig had. I'm pretty sure he did. What do you mean? I thought you were setting me up to talk about this because I talked to you about it before. Like, I'll level with you. We talk about so many things. I don't remember most of them. Yeah, same. (laughs) Um, Okay, so... Yeah, I was setting you up for this because I'm a brilliant strategist. Thank you. That that is on the outline. (laughs) Setting Richie up. For the following thing, yeah. <laughs> you know, this... I, I was joking, this isn't an outline at all. 
It's a receipt from Tiny Tot's Toyland, where I bought a plastic dinosaur the other day. (laughs) So, this is down to, like, I have played, like, the game unpatched, and I have seen, like, the developer test dungeons and everything. Mm -hmm. It's pretty clear now that instead of there being the bloodletting beast and the headless bloodletting beast as different enemies. The bloodletting beast would have had the head on. And then, kind of like Ludwig, there would have been two phases. And the second phase is the head falls off and the worm comes out. This sounds a little bit like a boss from Sekiro. Mmm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, because, like... This this was eventually patched out, but I've seen it, like, in action on the unpatched version. The headless bloodletting beast, before that worm comes out, the head is still there. It's like Ocelot in Dark Souls 3, where they just made the head invisible. So, you can't see the head, but, like, you can hit the head like it has a hitbox. You, it can do its bite attack and everything. But the head is just invisible. And then later on, they patched out and removed the head entirely. But yeah, it really, really looks like the. it would have been like Ludwig, where you fought the thing, then halfway through there would have been some, like, like a cutscene or maybe just happened during the battle. The head falls off, and then the worm shoots out. Exa- exactly like the, um, the, the ape in Sekiro. And we also know that Lawrence has two voice actors. Mm-hmm. And one of them is the guy who's Lawrence in the flashback. The other one is uh, Joe Sims, who is the voice of. He's a he's a VA in the game, but he's the vo- he has like a much older sort of gruffer voice than the the young guy who is the voice of Lawrence in the flashbacks. And unfortunately, that that dialogue, as far as we know, was wiped entirely. There's no way to recover it. It's not, like, dummied out. They just removed it. But um, he is, like, I guess for contractual reasons, he is still credited as the voice of Lawrence, even though you don't hear him. Mm -hmm. So putting all that together, it looks a lot like... And, again, like, the DLC, we know a lot of the things in the DLC are things that they planned and weren't able to follow through on. Mm -hmm. So taking all those things together, it looks a lot like you would have encountered the bloodletting beast its head would fall off during the fight, then after you killed the body, maybe the head would, like, talk to you like Ludwig's does. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Something like that, or, like, maybe it would talk during the battle, but given the way that, like, with Ludwig, there's a whole thing about you decapitating him and the head talking, and mm-hmm. when you talk to the, the head, he's like, oh, Hunter, tell me about the church. <laughs> like, the, the, that's a question Lawrence would ask. If you see, if you kind of follow what I'm saying, that, like, delirious, like, decapitated Lawrence head lying there, see someone at the healing church, and he's like, oh, tell me, you know, what is, I suffered, is the healing church, like, worthwhile, and stuff like that. And we also know, again, that, like, the whole Lawrence boss in the DLC, the reason that's a burning cleric beast is because initially he wasn't supposed to be there. And, like, it was supposed to be just two DLCs with no Hunter's Nightmare connecting them. So when they came up with the idea of, like, we'll put Lawrence in it, that's why he's a reskinned cleric beast. 
And he's not even called Lawrence in the in the data. He's just called Omega Cleric Beast. So it was just meant to be like a like a super boss version of the Cleric Beast. Hmm. Also in the data, Bloodletting Beast is called Founder Beast, as in founder of the Healing Church. So there. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sick of this fucking argument. <laughs> it feels like you had to talk about this a lot, Richie. Yes. This is, this <laughs> podcast is helping me work through a lot of unresolved issues. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Richie. Is there anything else on the outline? Well, we're still doing the explanation of the runes text. Oh, okay. That took a while. <laughs> yeah. When its implementation failed, the embrace became a forbidden rune, but its knowledge became a foundation of the healing church. So I feel like we elaborated on the first part. However, yeah. but its knowledge became a foundation of the healing church part. Yeah. Okay, Lawrence is the first cleric beast. Like, they're very clear about that. So I'm guessing what happened is, like, that's why you get cleric beasts afterward, is that they they attempt to do similar to what Lawrence did, where it's like, we learn to sort of embrace beasthood, to stop it overtaking us. So that's why they're able to, like, keep the beasthood sort of subsumed. And then that snaps back later on and they become these horrible monsters. So I'm guessing, like, that's why Amelia, for example, is, like, she's able to, like, take in all of this blood and she doesn't transform until we run into her. Because there's something something like Beast's Embrace is going on. Where she's able to, like, hold back the transformation. When they say the foundation of the Healing Church, it makes it seem like the Healing Church was founded after this rune was discovered. That can't be true, though. Because it says after repeated experiments in in controlling the Scourge. I'm thinking it's more like it became a foundation of, like, Healing Church, like, research, like a foundation of, not the foundation of the whole institution, but like something that they built upon, like their research was based on after that. You know what our outline is missing? I don't even know what the outline is. I can't see it. The Japanese text. Let's go look for it. And we'll have to look at the previous one as well, because we didn't. Okay, I'll, it's good. Oh, let's look at this. Oh, the Japanese text is called Kemono. Okay, good. <laughs> what does that mean? Beast. Beast is Kemono. Thank you. Uh, are you looking for this one or for the previous one? I'm looking for beasts and price. Okay. Those who swear this oath take on a ghastly form and enjoy accentuated transformation effects, especially Mm. while wielding a beast weapon. And you have talked about that already. Yes, yes. So I think the things we have left to focus on is its knowledge became a foundation of the healing church, as well as seeing what the Japanese text says. I'm pretty sure it'll say the same thing. 
I'm pretty sure it doesn't. Well, I'll find it. Just gotta go to the old Google Translate, which is for some reason defaulting to Brazilian Portuguese. Ah. <laughs> uh, oh. It translates Embrace's Hug. Oh my god! <laughs> it's oh. like Beast Hug. Oh, I love it. Oh my god. That's so cute. At the end of repeated experiments to control the beast disease, the gentle hug was found. Oh my god! Richie, okay, Aww. Richie. Richie, do you know what I'm picturing right now? Imagine a cleric beast, but with the sign that says free hugs. Aww. Oh my god. Oh, but now it says hug is prohibited. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> hug is prohibited. Is it like dancing's forbidden? Dancing's forbidden. Yes. <laughs> okay, go on. It's like Footloose. What? It's like Footloose. They've banned hugs. <laughs> Yeah, it just says the same thing. Okay, but can you read it? We've had more than one instance when you said, oh, this is the same as that. And then I had to push for you to actually read and explore it. And then yeah, we I just read it that then. it's not. Okay, read the entire thing. Oh. Carol character, hug. <laughs> Become the form of a horrible beast. At the end of repeated experiments to control the disease, the gentle hug was found. Oh. The attempt failed, but now hug is prohibited. That knowledge is indeed a foundation of the medical church. The person in this contract has the appearance of a horrible beast. The effect of temporary beasthood also increases, but its true nature will be revealed only with a beast weapon. There. Thank you, Richie. Should also point out that, like, they say medical church a lot in the translation. That, yeah, that's, I think that might, I don't know if, like, that's what the Japanese one is exactly, but that's sort of a better name for them, I think. The healing church? Yeah, because they're not, like, the healing is a pretext. They're more just, like, like the medical church. Like, the, because they're trying to, they're doing a whole lot of stuff, and I think like healing church, healing church is like uh, I don't know, it's like a. You know what they should have called it? What? Church lab. Okay. Because it's like lab is like a place where I would work. Yeah. Because they're basically doing experiments, but they're a church because they have like vicars and whatnot. So it's like a church lab. Yeah, I feel like the name Healing Church confused a lot of people because they sort of, like, assumed that that they literally were, like, offering healing and the sort of, like, the weird experiments weren't being focused on. I don't know. Do I also have to do the other beast rune? Yes, please. <sighs> so. Its knowledge became a foundation of the healing church. We have to get a consensus on what that means. What do you mean consensus? There's two of us. <laughs> I, it just means that, like, after Lawrence 
found this rune, and he's like, oh, here's how we can control the beast scourge. I'll just try. <laughs> and they were like, ooh, well, that didn't exactly go as planned, but there's still, like, something can be. It's like when we had Smotan on, we were talking about the Upper Cathedral Ward Research Hall, and it's like, it failed, but when you're doing, like, research that's properly structured, even if something fails, it's not really a failure because you now know what doesn't work. That's good, but I think I have an idea. So, you know, Lawrence, like, founded or created or whatever the healing church, right? Yeah, yeah. So then he goes in the labyrinth, embrace doesn't work as intended, his head gets cut off, and then it gets carried back to the church, and maybe maybe following those events is when they make up the prayer that Amelia is talking about. Seek the old blood. Let us pray, let us wish to partake in communion. Let us partake in communion and feast upon the old blood. Our thirst for blood satiates us, soothes our fears. Seek the old blood. But beware the frailty of men. Their wills are weak, minds young. The foul beasts will dangle nectar and lure the meek into the depths. Remain wary of the frailty of men. Their wills are weak, minds young. Were it not for fear, death would go unlamented. Yeah, that would make sense, yeah. So maybe oh, if I... I'm trying what? to figure it out. Because you, you can see the prayer change, but, like, the research hall, it's not clear, like, at what point Lawrence left. But beware the frailty of men. Their wills are weak, minds young. The foul beasts will dangle nectar and lure the meek into the depths. Oh, remain wary of the frailty of men. Their wills are weak, minds young. Were it not for fear, death would go unlamented. Because you have the Bergenworth adage. And then in the nightmare, you've got something that's like, it's Amelia's prayer, but with parts of it removed. And then you have Amelia's prayer. So you can see the prayer evolve over time. And the woman in the... Oh, okay, hang on. Okay. But the skull is already there for a woman as well. You know what I mean? Except it's underneath. Yeah, but it's not. It's the human skull. So it's like, it's not clear how real that... But if we assume that the... The white-robed woman there is, like, the vicar after Lawrence, Mm -hmm. but before Amelia. Yeah. She's not saying, seek the old blood, but she is saying, like, were it not for fear, death would go unlamented, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm guessing, like, yeah, in the, in the, in the, like, um, absence of Lawrence, like, yeah, it might change to that. Yeah, I'm looking at her prayer, and it's like, where she's like, remain wary of the frailty of men. Their wills are yeah, weak, minds weak, are young. Minds young, yeah. So, <laughs> maybe Foul it's like... Foul beasts will dangle nectar and lure the meek into the depths. 
Maybe this line is like throwing shade at Lawrence. <laughs> it might be because, like, it's not part of the Bergenworth adage. When I was talking about like healing church, the name, mm-hmm. what I'm what I'm getting at is not like, oh fuck you, that's the wrong word. What I mean is like healing has a bunch of different connotations to it. So if you say healing church, it almost sounds like it's like Lourdes or something, where like people are going to get like healed holistically. But if you say medical church, that's sort of like it's a better description of what's going on because it's more like a like a weird laboratory more so than like healing. Mm -hmm. Like the healing is the pretext they use to get people there. But what they're really doing is like, it's like a giant sort of like hospital rather than a. Yeah. 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 So can you read the Japanese text for Bistrun? Kemono no kararumoji no koka. Okay. Carol character of beast enhances the effects of temporary beastification. <laughs> That's beautiful. A student of Bergenworth. Uh, this is just the usual, like, Carol thing, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Um, phonetic sound of the beast of the ruins roar. Give. Given the meaning of beast, it enhances the temporary beastization. <laughs> oh no, this no, no, hang on. It starts it calls it on the first line it calls it beastification. Uh-huh. And then in the second paragraph it calls it beastization. <laughs> and then it just says like beast is one of the first carol runes and at the same time was for- Oh actually it might I don't know if this is accurate or this is just Google Translate, but it says here beast is the first carol rune. And at the same time, the first that was forbidden. Oh. But I don't know if that means it was the first or just one of the first. Does any other rune claim to be an early Carol rune? Uh, I think Metamorphosis is described as, like, one of the earlier ones. Let me see. Oh, you're not respecting the outline. Metamorphosis is a separate episode. In the English text, at least, it doesn't look like it talks about being one of the first. Okay. So, if this is the only rune that mentions being one of the first, maybe it is the yeah. first. Mm. Do you think Carol was in the labyrinth and they was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> or write it down. Maybe. <laughs> this is awful. I'm not going to look through every rune now, but we will keep it in mind as we look through further runes. Uh, because if none of the other runes have one of the first or one of the early runes, yeah, maybe this is the first rune. Maybe. Thank you, Richie. Well, that was only 90 minutes. Okay, so I think we've covered pretty much everything. Yep. So another thing on the outline is, who is the great one that Arun is associated with, and which great one spoke it? 
None of them. Yeah, so the first beast rune seems to be just a transcription of a beast roaring. Yeah. Whereas beast's embrace seems to be the result of experimentation. Yes. So you could probably say that the beast rune was involved in the experimentation to come up with beast's embrace. Yes. So beast's embrace is like an artificial rune? What do you mean artificial rune? They created it with the healing church. They didn't hear a great one speak it. They didn't hear anybody speak it. It just came as a result of experimentation. Well, I don't know. Because, like, that's... That's what happens with um, milkweed. Like, they... they "Quote unquote, create oh, that right. in the research hall, but it's it's the result of Adeline, like the ecstasy of Saint Adeline, and she discovers it there." Yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. Okay, because in my head, I'm like sugar, spice, and everything nice. These were the ingredients to create beast embrace. Yeah, so I pictured them just like putting the bee strewn into into a pot and then putting like a bunch of stuff in it and then just like letting it like simmer for four hours and then they get beast embrace. But, but yeah, what what you say is probably more accurate where they probably had a saint tell them this is the rune. It was probably Lawrence. So they experimented on Lawrence? Lawrence is the first cleric beast, so I'm assuming what happened is he was, like, himself, like, taking old blood into himself and trying to, like, control the beast rune that he was, like, visualizing in his head. And he managed to, like, twist it around and, like, make it into a slightly different shape in his mind. And that's what beasts embraces. Because he's the guy you find it on, and they're very clear about, like, Lawrence is the first cleric who transformed. So is this why it failed? Because what I'm trying to say is that I used to visualize um, the runes as coming directly from the Great Ones. But this seems to come from experimentation that Lawrence did. So it's not a real rune. Well, it might be, like, the language of the Great Ones or something. And he's, like, figured out a way to screw with it. Yeah, so, but maybe he got it wrong. Maybe that's why it didn't work. Maybe he assumed this is Beast's Embrace in the language of the Great Ones, therefore it will work, but it's actually not. Just like with the previous rune. It actually means Beast, but worse. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Lawrence, you fool. Yeah, and like we mentioned in the previous one, where Carol was writing it down and not heard it from the Great Ones, you know? So maybe why it failed, it's because the initial rune was wrong. Right. So maybe Beast is not Beast at all. But the initial rune is a transcription of something roaring. So maybe it means roar. Maybe it doesn't mean Beast. Maybe that's where they went wrong. So it's it's Raw's embrace. Yeah. <sighs> you know we've now been talking about Bloodborne for longer than Bloodborne took to develop. No way. <laughs> Bloodborne was 2011 to 2015. Uh-huh. It's now 2019. So 
in the time it has taken us to not understand anything that happened. <laughs> they they had made the entire thing. Like, every version, all the, like, rejected versions and the multiple Germans and <laughs> the Kanehurst stuff, yeah. Okay, thank you, Richie. Carol's field recording of Werewolf Roaring <laughs> was later listened to by Lawrence, who imagined it upside down. <laughs> That's the backstory of the entire game. Well, that was <laughs> episode five of Runes of Bloodborne. An exciting, who knows, part series covering the runes of Bloodborne. (laughs) If you think it couldn't get worse, imagine if you had to pay for it. Well, you can. For just $2 a month, you can subscribe to the Sinclair Lord Patreon and get the other four episodes of this and also however many we do afterward. Other, Other perks include access to terrible streams. Right, yes. What else is available? Other content on the Berserker tier is Reborn, an edited commentary. Outtakes, such as Who is the Abyss Dragon? (laughs) Yeah, so if you've heard what's left in, so you can imagine how great the outtakes must be. There are also two videos of me talking to animals. <laughs> That's not a joke, I've seen them. <laughs> Starting this month, we'll be archiving our streams on this tier, as opposed to the higher tier. And if you donate more, you can do things like suggest games to stream. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. And if you donate a lot more, you can get... Things such as shame. Yes. <laughs> and another another Patreon-exclusive podcast in which we attempt to help you with personal psychological issues you have. <laughs> because who else would donate to us? 